You're listening to the Everyman Podcast. This is episode 20. Episode 20. It's 20 more than zero. <laughs> I'm pretty happy about that. We've been at this a handful of months now, and I like it. I feel like we're getting into a groove. I'm just, I, you know, selfishly, I feel like doing this each week and talking to guys from all over the country, and in this case, this week, all over the world, it's uh, it's making my life better. I love it. I love doing this. I want to give a quick shout out to our next event in the Berkshires in Massachusetts, the first weekend of December. It's an open source retreat. We're going to have 30 guys there, about five or six everyman leaders, and we are going to dive right in. And if it is similar to the last couple of retreats, it's going to be an incredibly enjoyable, powerful, and growing opportunity for every man that shows up. That's why we call it every man, because we want every man that comes, every man that joins, uh, to find out who he is, where he's going, what he wants, and we want to create an environment and community that helps support him to get that and to be that and to be more. So check it out. Come uh, Go to our website, everyman.co. Go to the retreat section, and there's a sign-up page. gives you all the info. It is a good time. So this week, uh, podcast is being released. I'm going to be in the middle of a hunt. I'm going to be out in the mountains in Montana, and um, my wife is going to hit the go button and release this on the right time. So um, I'm going to make the intro a little shorter today. I don't have a ton to say, but I want to spend some time introducing you to Steve James. He is my guest on this episode, and. I almost think you should go to his website before you hear anything that I say about him, but his website is guruviking.com. I love this dude. I think I have a burgeoning man crush on him. He is something of a unicorn. I don't I don't know. I doubting. I I, don't, I hate that I just said that. But he's he's a pretty unique guy. Uh he grew up in Scotland, way north in Scotland. And has just a really wild story. Like wild, 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 wild story. And we've connected on a couple really cool ways. He's he's done a lot of cold weather survival. He spent time in nature, specifically uh, survival type scenarios. And he's an incredibly uh, spiritual and I would even say mystical guy. Which again is a word that might just make your, your butt clench up and it might make you feel uncomfortable. But this guy's the real deal. And he works one-on-one with uh, really, really highly successful individuals around the world. He travels. He teaches uh, movement practices and meditation and uh, spiritual practice of different sorts. He's a young guy. He's got a big, bright red beard, which makes me immediately love him. And uh, in this episode, we really we get into all kinds of stuff. We... Um, you know, we start with his story and he shares some of his experience and where he came from. And um, kind of like an international man of mystery with uh, a lot of uh, notches in his belt in a lot of ways. And I I guess that's probably enough to say, but check his workout at guruviking.com. And um, I hope you enjoy it. We're just getting to, um, I just asked you to introduce yourself, so yeah. I'll, I'll step back and let you tell us who you are. Okay. Yeah. Um, given what you said about, um, you know, the elevator pitch, 
um, not being the direction to go, I probably ought to say a couple of lines about what I do professionally. Um, Please do. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, more or less, the, the ethos is, is to empower people to think and feel and make decisions for themselves. Um, that's more or less what I do, and I do it in, in workshops and and one-on-one uh, with uh, you know, one-on-one mentoring uh, kind of scenarios. And really, it's through, it involves the body, it involves the mind, and it involves circumstances. And so for the body, it's uh, a case of, um, you know, you were saying that there's a lot of arrows in my quiver, and it's, it makes, uh, makes describing it challenging. But yeah, in the body, yeah. it's really uh, an emphasis on uh, becoming familiar with the body. And there's all sorts of things you can do with the body, you know, exercising for health or aesthetic strength, you know, for a skill set, you know, such as a sport or something like that. But at the root of that, and of course, you use your body for living as well. But at the root of that, uh, something that serves all of those purposes is um, a familiarity with the body and an ability to feel mm. and understand and decode the signals that the body generates, whether that's okay. for athletics or, or whatever. Um, and, the, and with the mind, you know, it's things like meditation and critical thinking and um, that, that sort of direction of things. And as for the circumstances, I work quite a bit in the area of dating and relationships and quite a bit in business also. I'm lucky to have some uh, some interesting clients some and some high-performing clients I would classify them as sort of high performance people, you mm-hmm. know, Oscar Oscar winning actors and multi Grammy award winning musicians and directors of this and founders of that and that sort of thing. And, you know, they have pretty much uh, been very accomplished people, but they have just the same issues that we do in the areas of relationships of so much energy through lack of skill or lack of understanding so much energy getting drawn into dysfunctional or difficult relationships or destructive relationship patterns and so on. So it's it's quite a gamut of things. I'm not, I'm not sure how clear that is, but that's a little bit what I do uh, professionally. So, yeah, it's, it's clear to me, and I've, I've read your bio. I know you a little bit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but just to even break it down more simply, you work one-on-one with yeah. clients in the capacity of a mentor or do you ever use the word coach i'm curious about the yeah. words that you use to describe yeah. it do you call coach do you sure yeah coach is fine yeah okay and and in three specific areas you mentioned so the mind the body and circumstance which I, that's interesting i like the i like your third category circumstances mm. yeah um it seems like a, a rabbit hole you could dive into just well, the just the word circumstance yeah I mean, it is. I mean, I like to. It's a sort of an assistant. I'm a, an assistant to the context, really. Got it. So it's I'm a servant to the context, and then different contexts with different people, different range of those tools will be will be necessary. You know, it's amazing how useful it is to be able to feel your body and feel your energy levels. I don't mean like woo woo energy. You know, just how you yep. literally your mood and so on, and to feel whether you're drained or nourished by an interaction, for instance. If you can't feel from the neck down. Um, yeah. then it's very, very difficult. So actually, a certain working with the body might provide and often does provide an important uh, key to helping navigate things like a relationship or a business situation or right. a strategic decision you have to make in terms of your life. The body can be one of the table of advisors you have. It's not the dictator, you know, just, you know, go completely by gut and so on. But 
it's good to be able to recruit right. okay what do i think i'm getting from the body how does my body feel about this as well as my logic and my intellect um and my you know advisors inside and out you know yeah i mean i couldn't agree with you anymore and, and that's one of the foundational steps that, that we practice in our everyman groups and and, and the, yeah. the whole gamut so uh, let's just let's just uh, we open that door. Let's go there. I, w- I would love to hear more about your your use, your your practices, your your understanding of the body. Mm. I uh, I've recently in the past year um, <clears throat> after years of embodiment practice myself of, of different types, I started feeling a little bit sad for for the mind for my for my mind and and I feel like for a little bit I, I took sort of a detour and thought it was all about the body but it, but I really I really like what you just said about how having it be one one person at the table or one of the advisors to, to how you make decisions so yeah um, I just want to give you free reign here brother just tell go go with this where you'd like okay <laughs> well there's so much we could you know we could say about that but yeah about yeah. the about the advisor thing you know some people concern that the body is going to betray them somehow or that to hmm. feel their bodily um, responses to situations and circumstances um, is a, a sort of concession to weakness. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's soft or something like that. But actually, you know, I know you're a hunter and so on, and um, I've never hunted myself, but uh, I've certainly done lots and lots of things out, outdoors and, and so on. And, and, and really, your body is extremely valuable in those situations. It doesn't just say no, it can say yes as well. Well, so that's one of the most, so I just read your bio, um, the longer form bio, a longer form bio of yours. And, and I saw the, the cold weather training, the cold weather survival stuff. And I have a, I have a lot of, uh, cold weather time in my life too. I have spent, you know, hundreds of days out in deep freeze conditions. And, um, and so I, I, I guess I'm just agreeing with you The the body, I think that that sort of experience, that sort of practice really in a in the most practical and fundamental way uh requires <laughs> requires a, a a bodily connection and, and hearing those so yeah i don't know how much you know but uh, i was a wilderness therapy guide so so i yeah. led trips for for um, teens and families forever and and that was really the the first thing we practiced and learned steve it was that in this context in this context of taking care of ourselves in the wild regardless if it was hot and dusty in the desert or freezing sub-zero Mm-hmm. in the winter it was that feedback loop that communication between you know how do i feel like that's what we practice that was the basic practice so yeah i was really excited to see you had done that uh cold weather stuff yes w- w- was that just an interest of yours or was that yeah. like what what brought you to that yeah i mean yeah it's it's an interest of mine certainly extreme um survival kind of situations um it is an interest of mine um, it is it is a hobby, I think, but it informs very much what I do. And my, I don't take people out into the Arctic, for instance, but going to the Arctic Circle uh, can be very informative. Um, yeah. It's very, very fascinating. You know, I'm sure you probably know this, but um, or I, I mean, I expect you, you, you've experienced this. But when I first felt that kind of cold, um, yeah. you know, minus 24 Celsius in the daytime, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, I'm afraid uh, for the Americans, but um, it's cold. It's really cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really cold. Yeah. And um, I, I first felt that. It hits you like a truck. You know, you think, whoa. Oh. And actually, I felt a little bit in my body a panic response. A oh, yeah. Panic. Um, because I, when I first felt it, of course, I was I was learning. I was training, so I didn't know how to handle it. I had outdoor experience in, in sort of, uh, you know, more 
should we say, uh, friendlier conditions of you know Europe and right. so on. But but up right. there, it's it's a different story, and it's so it felt so tremendously oppressive and unyielding, and <laughs> uninterested in negotiation. You know, that yeah, kind of cold, you can't negotiate with that kind of cold. You can't no. say please or what if I just do this, and you can't cut corners. So, but and they said to us, you know, well, you know, people come here. And they either love it or they hate it within a few days. You know, you sort of you yeah. fall one way or the other. They said, and I fell in love with it. And what right. I learned about the cold was that um, it's dependable, it's reliable, it's consistent. Mm. Um, it, it's that's something I learned about it. And if you more or less do the correct, if you handle it correctly or handle yourself correctly, you know, it's on with your layering and your gear and your sort of approach to everything, then. Yep. Basically, you'll you know you basically it will do what you think it will do. Um, so that <laughs> what, kill you? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you fuck it up, yeah, yeah, you know it does what you think. It, and I find that and I found that to be actually very very interesting. Very very, it's sort of it becomes a certain sort of companion. Yes, the cold, you yeah. know, because it just is the way it is, and that's that, you know. Yeah. And I think it's really wonderful to to um, to feel that unyielding face of of nature you know oh i couldn't agree more i i feel like um so i grew up in the cold i grew up in in the northernmost part of of the united states and mm. our winters were that deep freeze right we we okay. had month or two months of sub-zero temperatures every winter and yeah. uh, in, in that lifestyle where when you don't embrace the cold the yeah. it becomes this really um kind of enemy or it can oh, yeah. it can be an enemy you know you race to your car you race inside you bundle up that's right and then when i yeah so i was 22 23 and i started spending you know three weeks at a time out in just with no shelter leading leading groups and i you know i think it's more of a i don't think i recognized it at the time but the the amount of uh, simple mindfulness and awareness that it brought to me was um in and and I'd be excited to hear your opinion on this, but the ability to endure uh, different levels of comfort, just mm. just sort of from a, a non-reactionary place. Well, reactionary in the way where, um, you know, if we started to get cold, we either a had to move our bodies, mm. we had to build a fire, you know. So it was this sort of uh, really fluid relationship i felt with the environment that the cold and i've been in ultra hot temperatures too i've sort of run the gamut on extremes in terms of nature um but the cold is yeah I, well <laughs> and this is i don't know if there's anything real here but i'm sitting here looking at, at you and, and you have a big red beard right you look yeah. like a viking your your, your instagram <laughs> handle is guru viking yeah. i have viking blood too uh-huh. um so you know who knows maybe there's some something wrong with us um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really cool. So, so it's 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 literally something you you sought out. You sought out mm-hmm. the cold. You sought out that that. Um, give us a little more context on you. Like, like, and I know there's a lot, yeah. right? I just, we're not going to get to it all, but you have an incredible, incredible bio. Um, like, where are you from? Who who yeah. the hell are you? Steve? Well, um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Well, you know, I was born in Scotland. Okay. And I grew up on uh, in a place called the Shetland Islands. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the northernmost part of the UK. You get to the sort of top of the UK mainland, British mainland, and you just keep going for quite a long time. And if you've hit Norway, you've gone too far. 
<laughs> that's that's where I grew up, and um, uh, you know, interesting place, interesting place. Uh, they they said the little folk story we were told as, as children about about Shetland was it was it was a uh, wedding gift. Uh, what do they call it? Um, dowry gift from okay. the Scandinavian king, who I think was Danish at the time, owned it 500 years ago or so, gave it to the Scots. And as part of the wedding thing, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what we're told. And they cut, the Scottish people cut all the trees down to make, I don't know, cabers and, you know, and to toss and I don't know. Got it. Uh, some sort of whiskey ingredient, who knows? But uh, they cut them all down for whatever reason, you know. And because of that, it's so windy up there, um, there were no trees to uh -huh. shelter the new trees. And so no trees grew back. So it's there are basically no trees there. Basically. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, Whoa. there are some trees, but very, very few trees. And it's hella windy and it's very cold and uh, so on. And there's a lot of sheep. So you are a Viking. You, you, re you really are. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that. Well, I mean, I'm just like kind of making up a fairy tale about you, yeah. but like, okay. but that's I mean, that right. seems that seems inappropriate. Uh, a treeless island in, in the in the close yeah. to the Arctic Sea. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, okay. We'll go with that. So I basically am a Viking, yeah. Um, and let's let's see some some relevant details. You know, I grew up uh, uh, Catholic, actually raised in a kind of Catholic context, and my mother okay um, had this idea of. Uh, uh, a private faith or a quiet faith she used to call it mm. sort of, as a contrasting say a more demonstrable tribal identifying kind of faith where we all get together and be the same thing together and think the same thing together and so on so her whole uh, sort of orientation towards that was go to the mass which is sort of a ritual um, right. Uh, right. The, the ritual of the Catholic Church you know it's a little bit like a church service you might get in other kind of churches, except it's always exactly the same, pretty much. They rotate the readings and so on, but it's it's mm -hmm. kind of a ritual thing. Mm -hmm. And you're in this context with other people, but essentially it's about your private, personal relationship to God or the divine or, you know, stillness or uh, the heart or whatever, right. whatever, whatever it might be. So we didn't, right. go, there were, we went to the very early morning mass rather than the middle of the day mass. And the middle of the day mass is where they get the guitars out and the tambourines, you know, um, and uh, everyone's uh, clapping and whatever, you know, that sort of thing. And the yep. morning one didn't have any music at all. And I was an altar boy with my little brother, which meant that sort of from six or so, I was in a little outfit. It looks a little bit like cross between a bathrobe and, um, you know, some sort of cheap motel, um, <laughs> Uh, dishcloth sort of thing but it's like a kind of a dress <laughs> thing you basically wear yeah, you, yeah when you walk around the place you pick up a candle from over here and you take it over there you kneel down over there for a uh -huh. little while you pick up this chalice this cup and you bring it to the priest he does something with it and then you take it away again and it's all very choreographed and all very very much the same thing so mm -hmm. you know and there was no song and dance sort of music going on and i found it to be tremendously deep experience Really interesting. Yeah, the um, tell me more. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we also uh, my mother also didn't didn't uh, have us go to catechism, which is the kind of you know the little class they give you after a service for the kids to sort of you know tell them what to think about the religion and so on. You know, teaching them about. Okay. The we didn't go to that yeah. because she said that anyone who um, wants to teach a catechism catechism class probably shouldn't teach a catechism class you know it's a little bit like what they say about politicians interesting yeah so yeah. so we didn't go to yeah. those so it was you know and I, I tell you what 
there comes a certain point in a ritual, and, and this is true of, I think, of any repetitive activity of a sort, where um, it, it ceases to become you doing the ritual, you're, you're doing the thing, and it becomes the ritual, in a certain sense, does you. Right. You, be you become kind of uh, something kind of pops a little bit, and you wow. become a moving part of a greater whole. You become subsumed, if you want, in, in this sort of uh, collective activity. Yeah. And I remember, you know, sitting there on the little pew on the side waiting to, you know, carry the cup or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was my, the next thing to yeah. do. And I would just be sitting there and it felt, it would feel like my head would just open up. The top of my head would almost open up and there'd be mm. this huge space, this huge stillness. Um, uh, very, very uh, deep experience that I think uh, marked me in a certain sense for for an orientation towards that sort of thing. And it happened to be in a religious context, which I think is probably one of the hardest places to find it. <laughs> right. Enough. Absolutely. Yeah. But because it was religion devoid of the tribalism, um, right. that particular, I was very lucky, you know, that it was, it was, uh, uh, it, it pre presented that opportunity, you know, Brother, I, th that would make an amazing uh, short film. Just what you just shared right there. Like yeah. that's a very cinematic, beautiful snapshot you just gave us. Um, so for our guys that, that might be listening that uh, maybe just sort of scratch their heads. So you said that sort of thing. You described you, the top of your head opened up and you mm -hmm. felt this deep space or something. Like, yeah. um, maybe maybe what are other examples of, of that toward a sort of experience or, or what's another way to talk about that that might make that make sense to people yeah that that don't maybe either haven't had that or have but just don't uh, yeah have fluent absolutely fluency, right yeah um that's the danger but if we have to if we go in my biography it might get a little strange but you're right uh that <laughs> yeah. i think everyone has that actually everyone has that ex that experience throughout their lives probably many times uh, mm. The sorts of experiences that I'm talking about, these sorts of yeah. um, uh, altered, slightly um, uh, experiences of a sort. I'll give you another example. I mean, around the same time, I started martial arts training. Okay. And okay. that was, um, again, same age, about five, uh, six, uh, in Wadaru Karate. Wadaru Karate, which is a, a Wadaru. Wadaru, okay. yeah, Karate. Okay. And the people there took it real serious that they were training there. And in, and in that, um, uh, in karate, in most martial arts in karate, you have something called kion or basics you know the basic movements okay. that sort of this punch okay. you always do the same way the kick you always do the same way and the, yep. the way you train those is you go up and down the hall doing the same punch up the hall the same punch down the hall and then they do with a kick and then do with a block uh, so, so on up and down yep. the hall up and down the hall and then you combine those basics into things called kata which are prearranged sequences um, of these movements which are sort of codexes yes. for yeah. the style and forms so, is what we call them in taekwondo we call them forms, forms. exactly yeah, yeah forms yeah. exactly so and they have and and on the one hand there are sort of a physical um on the surface level a physical string of movements together you can get deeper into the bunkai the application and they have sort of layers of of possible application and what looks like a block ends up being a trap and what looks like looks like a punch is actually ends up being sort of a takedown or something like that you know it's very interesting yep but um yep. the fact is if you you do those things initially you try to remember which what goes first this punch then this kick you know over the yeah. years you do it you do it you do it you do it and eventually something happens and the form or the basic or the movement just springs out it just occurs in a right. sense and your need to consciously edit or oversee it d drops 
Right. And in a certain sense, the form does you. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's a very similar experience. Other experiences you can have is when you're out out in nature, actually, just walking in yeah. nature. It doesn't yeah. have to be an extreme kind of you know uh, jungle book scenario here. You know, you're out you out in nature, and you just have that moment where things stop for a moment, and you forget yourself. You know, you forget right. yourself, or you're filled up with the expanse of what it might be, or you know, um, that if it's like your chest opens up, or or sometimes you just you just kind of go away, and you just in yeah. this big wonderful context of some huge forest because i didn't have trees growing up i love forests you know and you're in this forest and <laughs> same and like, that's interesting me too yeah <laughs> so I, I love it so you know like uh the you know reds uh, the redwoods in big sewer for instance one of my favorite places in the world you know you go there and it's yeah. just epic and you just disappear in a kind of a way and it's so beautiful yeah. um and i think you know it can happen uh in 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 times of deep connection with a human being um it can happen uh, in, in very very difficult times, you know, right right before a car crash or a crisis of some kind, you know, sometimes you slow down and then there's yep. another kind of thing takes over. So I, it, it's accessible, I think, and people have it all the time. And I think these things are actually very natural to human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not of the school that. That's why I said it's so funny. It's so rare in a way to find it in a religious context, explicitly religious context, you know, because actually most of the time, the real religious context or the real experiences of this sort of transcendent. Well, you know, experience of, of beauty or of um, of these things happens far away from any prescribed tribal uh, requirements to conform to or believe that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Two, so two things stuck out there. Uh, a lot of things did, but uh, the two things that that rise for me. First, the the word subsume. I think yeah. that's a brilliant. That's a brilliant word. What is your under? What's the difference between subsume and consume? What's like? What is subsume? That's not a word I've heard in a while. What, oh, yeah. What's your understanding of that word? Well, we ought to perhaps Google it. What I think <laughs> I mean. What I think it means. Uh, to be subsumed, I think it's. I will to be Google covered, it. What do you cov- think it means? Well, I'll tell you that first. Yeah, I'll tell you what I meant by it anyway, and then we can see if I'm using the right word. Um, yep. to, to consume is to sort of to, you know eat something or so on, or to you know right. uh, that sort of thing. To be subsumed by something, I think it's the equivalent of, say, being over overcome by it. For instance, if you were to be in a, in a, uh, water coming in the room and it goes up past your head, you'd be subsumed by the water. You'd be kind of taken into it. So when I said just subsumed by the ritual, I was felt that feeling of being subsumed. What I meant was that, in a certain sense, you become swallowed by the ritual, and you be- right. you you become actually the ritual. Right. So your yep. sense of being yourself expands and the same thing if you're in the forest your sense of being yourself it changes you're still yourself you're still there but you're you're yeah. subsumed by this greater whole so you're not you're no longer just you you're as a part an individual. Of. you become yeah you become a right. sort of uh, yeah that sort of thing what does it really mean well <laughs> no, you're right on it so it the 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 simple definition is uh included or absorbed into something else or in something else so so yeah, yeah. becoming a part of good what a cool world i'm gonna i'm gonna use that it's lovely isn't man. it yeah. So the second thing I wanted to point out, too, was was the, the two examples you gave or two examples that you gave that connected these experiences of subsumation, if that's a word, I don't know, yeah. uh, but involved a physical sensation. So you said when you were a kid doing the doing the right in, in church, mm-hmm. your head, you felt something in your head. And then you talked about uh-huh. being in the forward in the forest and uh-huh. you felt you said you might open your chest. You feel something yeah, yeah. opening in your chest. And I think that is a really um you know, and so for our guests here, you know, we're talking about 
experiences that humans have that that maybe each of us has that's really on uh you know there's i mean we're getting into some some very deep interesting but experiential and and that's that's what i'm trying to bring out here the experiential part of these experiences the actual feeling like what it actually what it not means necessarily but feels like to have these experiences so um I love the I love the sort of head opening thing. Like I've I've experienced something like that too, and it's yeah. it's wild. It's wild yeah. to feel, seemingly physiologically or physiologically feel those things. Yeah. So, um, and my guess is, you know, as as a one who works with embodiment, that's this is your wheelhouse, correct? Um, in, yeah, in, in uh, you know, yeah, and I I really do want to emphasize that I think it's it's natural. Yeah. It's not a higher order experience. Uh, available to the select few and in fact the reason why the ritual or, or you know sports you know being in the flow maybe you know in a, in a doing a, a pre-arranged form in a karate class or taekwondo class yep. um, might have that effect uh, is you train so thoroughly that you get to the point where you no longer need to try and right. the naturalness of just being can happen you know and the same in a forest there's something in a forest you don't need to try to experience beauty in a forest in fact you need to stop sort of in the same way stop trying you need yes. to just look outside look <laughs> yeah. at it and then something there that evokes um that not every single time you're in the forest you know, sometimes you know you're it's raining and you've got to get firewood and you're a little bit annoyed and you wish you were at home you know with a cup of tea for a british yep. person you know that's actually quite a lot of the time <laughs> sometimes anyway you can have that right. you know? but in fact you know i found a outside sometimes it juxtaposes between this you know moments of just this beauty and then there's very very interesting uh polarity where you feel very mm. very apart from nature actually you feel very almost a guest or sometimes you feel an intruder and depending mm-hmm. on how well it's going sometimes you feel unwelcome you know totally in you feel whoa you become acutely aware of your uh separateness from it yeah. Uh, and then other times you can become aware of the beauty and there's a sort of oneness or whatever, you know, it sounds a little, sounds a little hippie. I don't think it's that hippie. Really. It's, um, I, well, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I love, I love the language used to say that too, that, that how, how natural of an experience it is. I want to, so two, yeah. two really visceral memories just popped up there. One was, I was like a 20 year, 22 year old kid. I was out in the desert, in the wilderness, like maybe the first wilderness program I ever was part of. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, I was I was a seeker, you know, I was looking, I, and I would read the Tao Te Ching like over and over and over. And I d- didn't know why, but I did. And there was something, especially like the first maybe 10 or 12 um, chapters or pieces in it. And I remember sitting cross-legged on the top of it, like a, I don't know, there's cactus all around me and it was brown and dry and hot. And, uh, and I, you know, I wasn't trying to meditate. I wasn't trying to do anything, but I, was, I just got real quiet and just like, I all of a sudden got super uncomfortable and then the, uh, the discomfort sort of passed through me. And then all of a sudden it felt like I was, oh man, just on a, either a different planet or I was a different person or just something changed so immensely in that moment. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't like a truck hitting me. It was like a... It was like I eased through this passageway and it opened up, and mm. and it was so cool because I wasn't I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't trying to do anything. Yeah. Um, that was a really big moment. I haven't actually thought about that for a long time. The the other one I want to point out real briefly too is I began. <laughs> I have a so so if we're talking about sort of physical and and these bigger connective experiences yeah. in the, in the woods in the wilderness, 
it happens for me very regularly when it's really wet if it's rainy and it's cold and it's uncomfortable and like and like all the uh, like it's not a beautiful situation it's 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 actually a really sort of uh challenging situation and but it's it's that it's almost something i can rely on when it gets really uncomfortable this sort of warmth and happiness starts in my like in my torso by my uh, sternum and my chest and it just Uh spreads and uh Man, it's a cool thing, <laughs> and it and it's when it's when things are really uncomfortable a yeah. lot of times. So, yeah, um, I can relate to that for sure. Yeah, yeah. there's almost yeah. a sort of a, a reckless. Maybe that's the Viking thing. I don't know, but there's almost <laughs> this kind of um, reckless uh, uh, joy that comes with knowing that you know you're digging a deep, bit deeper. There's a certain there's a sort of it hits mm. a certain level of your of your insides. You know, it's like okay, good. Now I get to now I get to you know really turn the gas up you know and and, and trudge yeah. on through you know and it's it's i think it's wonderful that's the sort of compressive force from the outside um, wonderful you yeah, know great. calls forth a certain force from the inside that rises to meet it you know? and it's a tremendous thing yeah. that's beautiful man that sounds yeah like um and well the other thing that that you that came up a few times there was the was the element of well either ritual ceremony or practice right the sort oh. of the forms in martial arts and the mm-hmm ritual in the catholic church and um i mean do you feel like you know there's some pop culture things out there like there's the ten thousand hour idea for mastery of something like if you practice anything for that much time something new you know you 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 reach a new level there's also the concept of flow states that's you know so popular at times like that and do you feel like all of that is in the same realm i mean is it just different ways to talk about similar things or do you feel like there's something else going on here is it in the same realm? Well, I think it's states of it's states of experience, states of being. Mm. So I think it is in the same realm. Is it directly the same thing? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure about that, but it's very related because sometimes the effect is tremendous action, and sometimes the effect is tremendous stillness. It seems to have quite a variable effect. These yeah. sorts of these sorts of states of 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 being. So I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I do know certainly that you know I was uh, on in my teens I uh, was fencer you know Western fencing and I was okay. on the Scottish um, fencing team um, okay. there and uh, I do know that at the higher end of that kind of a discipline which was as far as I took competitive sport okay um, you know was 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 to that level um, that at the high level there there is a certain flow state you get into absolutely where you can almost anticipate. Your opponents it's like pre-verbal kind of state you can anticipate your opponent's movements you can affect mm-hmm. one of the things in fencing is cadence so you have a certain rhythm as to how you're bouncing and moving and so on and one okay. of the goals is to try to draw your um, opponent into your cadence so they begin to somewhat become accustomed to your rhythm and so on and then you mm. break the cadence break the mm. rhythm and catch them flat-footed you know and uh-huh. so all that stuff is very very subverbal it's very very instinctual Right. Um, and there's something about when the, it's and, and, it, and if you uh, I'll tell you if and if you think anyway if you think it gets it's too slow I'll tell you another really weird story seeing as we're being really weird yeah when, when I was a kid right <laughs> before I had my my Viking beard I used to do this um this thing in the morning <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you this but uh, here we go so here we go but um I used to do this thing in the morning I'd lay in bed and I had a television in my room you know I'd lay in bed and I'd 
turn the TV right, right, right down to zero. And then in the morning, you know, with the breakfast TV, whatever, and I turn it yep. up, it'll click by click by click until I could just hear it, just hear it like that. And I, real, I, I, I noticed when I was a kid that if I tried to understand what I was hearing, the sound or the noise of my thinking about it, decoding, translating, making associations and so on with the language coming in, mm -hmm. would, would actually drown out the sound of the TV. So huh. I used to sit there and, and get it down to the point where my mind would have to go really spacious, really quiet like yeah. that. And uh, anyway, and, and I noticed that if I thought, if I was thinking, I couldn't hear. But if I didn't, then I just let it wash in, you know, the raw sensory data coming into the ears without labeling and categorizing. Then I could hear it and understand it. You know, wow. So I think that's that's kind of a flow state, isn't it? Um, I don't know. No, no, These I've, things are so fascinating. It is so fast. So interesting. So a couple months ago, I, I got to do a sort of a a, a koan initiation in the, in the Mondo Zen tradition and something oh, yeah. I've never experienced before. Jumbo and, Kelly, right? Yes, exactly. And so yeah. the, the the first practice in there has to do with with a, a little a bell that gets rung or, or a bowl, sort of a sound. And, and it's very much oh, really? about very much about um well what you just said so 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 taking in the auditory information taking in that sound with it like in yeah. in a deeper way in a more like non um, cognitive way yeah. all you know just completely hearing that sound and yes. and you know i've been in yoga classes with with like a beautiful sort of gong at the end or uh -huh. something where, where you where you take in this sound just as sound yeah and uh Man, the, well, so when this happened, this when I did this with with um, my friend ran me through this process. I mean, I just I lost it. I I just like started cr just crying and crying and crying. It was so, mm. it was such a unique. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. It just sort of like it took me over. Um, I was actually sitting in this little my little studio here with um, Steve, who was the first guest I had on my podcast. He's a, he's a instructor in, in that lineage and uh but yeah man wow what a <laughs> well I'm, I'm seeing things very cinematically this morning but seeing you uh laying watching tv and, and playing with it what a what a strange and interesting boy you were <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a compliment i'm not sure <laughs> no it is it is yeah, yeah. well um, no i was yeah it was a little bit weird it's true some would argue i still am yeah well you know yeah. one of my favorite favorite ways to meditate actually is to is to um uh, sit. I, I I have a, I live on a boat here, um, mm -hmm. uh, in the UK. Um, I'm mostly travelling around, but when I'm in the at home, so to speak, I live on this uh, canal boat, narrow boat, it's 59 foot long, six foot ten wide, um, steel box basically. Hmm. And at the front, you have this thing called a cratch, which is sort of like a balcony. It's kind of like your balcony, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, I sit there sometimes in a chair or whatever, and reading book or you know whatever it might be listening to the uh, everyman podcast perhaps and <laughs> <laughs> you know but sometimes i meditate out there as well and uh -huh. i just sit and um one of the first things i like to do is feel and this is something i that, you know people can try i think you know listening if they like but yeah. you know i feel the sensations that reveal the presence of my body feel the sensations steve that i just lost your audio i can't hear you now did something change um nope yeah, one two three 
One, two, three. Can One, two, three. Me? Yeah. One, two, three, one, yeah, two, I have, three. I have nothing on your end in, in terms of audio now. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I see that it is. It's just I, I'm, not, I'm actually just not, um, not hearing it. It's, I'm not hearing anything. Um, That's very odd, isn't it? Maybe if I mute myself and unmute. I'm really sorry. One, two, three. One, two, One, two, three, one, two, three, just in case you start hearing me again. One, there we two, are. Three. Is it working now? Now I got you. Yeah? <laughs> I just talked for, I had the you while for a second see. when we first connected, and now it's gone again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There we are. There we are. Is it me or the Skype that you can hear, though? Well, I don't know which program it's running through, but I hear you. Do you hear? I can hear you through Skype. Yes. Yes, not that's through fine. Zencaster. Well, your levels are still picking up through Zencaster, so so we're fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry about that. Oh, it's not your fault. Yeah. Uh, so you were, yeah, you were just interfering. <laughs> you were about to embark on. Uh, something that I was really ready to hear. <laughs> what were you oh, yeah. I remember what it was. Yeah. How, wh wh when did I drop off? I was r rambling all about being on the end of my boat and so on. When did, when did, so you were just about to say the actual practice or like what you did or okay. how you meditated, what it looked like. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I just start doing that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Go for yeah. It. Well, um, so, uh, and I'll sit there and, uh, well, maybe let me see. I should back it up a bit and probably say something like. And so, so what I like to do sometimes when I'm out there is just start by feeling the sensations that reveal the presence of my body. This is the way mm -hmm. I sort of think about it: feeling the sensations that reveal the presence of my body. And maybe I'll say it as if as if we're doing it. Um, and you know, I notice bottom on the chair, feet on the ground, clothing on my skin. And there's two things happening there. On the one hand, there's the raw sensory data that's flowing in. And on the other hand, there's the mind labeling and categorizing yeah. that sensory data saying, yeah. okay, that's, you know, ass on the chair. That's the feet on the ground. That's the clothing on my skin. And even when the mind is doing that labeling and categorizing, it's also possible to tune in to the raw sensory data. Mm -hmm. um, the, the labeling may stop or may continue. It's not, not so important, but it's possible to tune into the raw yeah. sensory data um, before it becomes labeled and categorized. And that's the same thing with sight. And I yeah. look out over the water and just look. And of course, I'm looking and my mind says, you know, water, bird, duck, yeah. swan, yeah. etc. 
but on the other hand, it's possible to just tune in to the, even as that goes on, it doesn't go on. You don't have to stop it, I don't think. I, I don't bother trying to stop it, but sometimes it does go away. But yep. just look out there and just see the raw sensory data flowing in, washing in through the eyes, you know, coming yeah. in there. And it's really um, becomes a full body experience of seeing um, without, yeah. uh, well, anyway. And then I do it with the hearing, mm -hmm. you know, hearing. And mm -hmm. I sit there and listen, and I can hear maybe in the distance, there's a road, perhaps cars. I can hear the animals, you know, the creaking of the boats on the ropes. Mm -hmm. And once again, even as the mind's labeling and categorizing those things, just tuning into the raw sound, mm. the landscape, the sonic landscape, shifting like a sort of coming in like a sort of sonic jellyfish coming in through the ears, all these sounds which you can pass apart and separate into their component labels. Yeah. All of those things can also be experienced as a sort of a sonic massage coming in, you know. And what what's that? Amazing. It's sitting on the end of my boat, just listening yeah. to things, you know, really just sort of opening my ears to this, the yeah. stimulus that's coming from outside. It's not uh, not levitating or anything like that, but it's just so <laughs> it's so wonderful, you know. It's so wonderful. Um, uh, I can't remember why we were talking about that though, because when we had a what were we saying again? Well, we had the we, break we were, in the audio. Yeah, well, we were talking. About, I brought up the the um, Junpo Kelly Zen practice that that oh, I had experienced, right. and, right, and, yeah. and we're just, yeah, yeah, we were just talking. We were talking about, <clears throat> I think, the raw senses in general, yeah. just sort of like bringing in. What is in the sound the of one dong donging, one gong <laughs> gonging? You know, yeah. what is the sound? And the answer yeah. is, you know, that's that's the answer to the Zen koan. It's an, it's an eruption of um, simultaneous uh, radical stillness and utter movement. Right. You know, just right. it's the it's the meeting of those things or the code. It's it's, uh, it's just yeah. an eruption of, you know, that's the sound of a gong in a certain way. It's right. you know. Yeah, I so I I, I want to bring this a, a little more into the. I could sit here and and geek out with you about sort yeah. of a deep intense <laughs> experiences probably for a long time. Yes, How do but you, for so the three people that are still listening? <laughs> you should. <probably. laughs> When you uh, when you work with your clients, when you work with uh -huh. people, when, when you share, and is the, what we're talking about is does this does this is this involved in how you teach and what you share? Or like, give us a sense of, and I'm, I know there's a lot, and, and maybe it's not yeah. able to just put it in one nugget. But how 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 do you how does this uh, help others? I guess is a question. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. Does this does this come up? Well, you know, we're talking about we're sharing you and I our ex personal experiences and and yeah. trying to put words on on these things. We're trying to f the ineffable, yeah. You know, and it's not that's you know that's not what uh, and that ha that's very fun to do. You know, and it's yeah. very interesting. And I think people can <laughs> yeah. cer certainly maybe relate to certain things. Say, yeah, I felt that. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. I have touched that. I have tasted that in this situation or that situation, you know. Mm. And um, so often these things are limited to a religious or spiritual, explicitly religious or spiritual context, you know. And um, right. like I said, I think that's often the most difficult place to find to find those things because it, it, it requires a certain naturalness that is, yep. is actually more natural than the form of, of, of a religion, say. But um, my whole thing is... Uh, inquiry without imposition 
inquiry without imposition. That's sort of a bit of my philosophy when it comes to working with people. Okay. So I, I'm looking to stimulate the, um, the person into an active relationship with, let's say, the body, their mind, or their circumstances, whatever it might be. Now, right. I may be giving them advice about how to deal with this, you know, really difficult relationship situation that's happening, you know, and yeah. a reasonable partner or a very, very difficult business p point of view or, or something like that. It may be very, very specific in that way. But the, the goal behind that is to facilitate this inquiry. So my experiences are less relevant. And my mm. um, frames of reference are less uh, relevant really right um, uh, so it's it's a kind of um, uh, let's put it this way so another little phrase I, I have and, and this is getting a little bit closer to what I'm actually doing in a session but what I'm doing in a session depends very much on the person as I said sure but you know there's no informed consent on feeling there's no informed consent on mm. intimacy it's something else I say mm. and what I mean by mm. that is let's say you're uh, engaging in some sort of bodily practice that you're you know you're, you're engaging in some sort of thing to you know, investigate the feelings of what are your what sensations is your body generating let's say yep. you're gonna find out you're gonna feel what's there it's not the same thing as sort of getting yourself into a happy state or a positive state nothing wrong with doing that of course right it's not this is quite the same thing Oftentimes, right. you know, there's a sort of a a background noise. I kind of compare it to going to a Kiss concert. Sometimes, if we go to a Kiss concert, you and me, um, which we should uh, definitely do, by the way. <laughs> we but if we were to go that. to a Kiss concert, and you were trying to tell, talk to me and tell me something, I wouldn't be able to hear perhaps because the the ambient noise level, the, the Kiss concert level, is just loud. Gene Simmons is doing whatever it is, and yeah. it's just super loud, so we can't hear each other. You're still talking though, but it's underneath there. Now you've got a yeah. couple of options. Right. You could shout and scream and so on. Or let's say we went to a library yeah. where it's really quiet and then the volume level that you're using would be very easy to hear. And in fact, right. it might even in that context be kind of loud actually. So uh, when I'm working with that sort of a sensitizing um, momentum, which is extremely yeah. empowering because it gives you all this data information to navigate with, I'm looking at how to lower the ambient noise level reducing mm. the static mm. and so on. And then what emerges from that as that noise level goes down and it gets quieter, what emerges from that is what was going on all the time underneath. Beautiful. Um, and who knows what that's going to be. It may not be, uh, we've been talking about these uh, you know, wonderful positive experiences and so on. It may not be that, it could be pain, it could be anger, right. could be frustration, right. could be exhaustion, right. um, yeah. hopelessness. These are very, very common, you know, yeah. going on under, underneath there. So. Yeah. Um, in that sense, it's uh, yeah. I mean, what do you what do you what do you think about that? I'm not no, I'm not no, quite I, sure I, how how this relates to our personal anecdotes, but uh. well, no, it it relates perfect. I mean, how I relate to that is is that is um, I'm right there with you. Like I, I I believe that when I work with 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 guys one on one, we're doing something in a similar realm. We're we're uh, with some language that I use is that. Uh, I, I intend to be as descriptive as I can and not be prescriptive. Like we're, we're not trying uh -huh. to attain a certain thing in our groups. We're not trying to be strong, healthy, positive. We're not, we're not attempting to do that. We're, 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 we're tuning into the deeper subterranean stuff, allowing that to be there to express itself, to fully engage. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and 
you know, attempt to, to, to live from that place. And so, so, so I'm right, I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm right there with you. I think, and I think your kiss concert analogy is, is uh-huh. really, really brilliant. Uh, yeah. So. But to be super practical, you know, say, say, you know, you have somebody who's really, really struggling with, um, uh, you know, with their relationship with their wife or mm. with their girlfriend, or that they would like to have a girlfriend, don't have one, something like that. You know, and, and being mm-hmm. uh, there's a certain degree there. There's a certain aspect of that which is a skill development. It's yeah. necessary to develop skill, to develop a certain skill in relationship or in communication, or a certain understanding of interpersonal relationships or understanding of the dating game, say or whatever. Mm. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's necessary. But how do you calibrate that? You know, right. do, you, do you just absorb a system or a, or a methodology and apply it blindly, uh, hoping right. that it has a high percentage success rate? Or right. um, the better way, I think, is to calibrate uh, your skill development in relationship to what's actually happening. And in order to feel what's actually happening, you have to mm. be able to feel. You mm. have to be able mm. to feel. So it informs directly um, your capacity to develop whatever skill it might be whether it's jujitsu you're on the on the mat you need to be able to feel what's going you can't just go purely by the rote uh, decision tree of movements that you would think and so on it's going to be too slow you have to add a calibration aspect just like when you calibrate a rifle you shoot it and it goes left or right and then you adjust the sights so that they become truer and truer um, or more true uh, maybe you know Mm -hmm. and then you shoot again Um, but you have to have that real time in a certain sense uh, live feedback based calibration of the skill otherwise you become a robot uh, yeah. You know. yeah so it depends what we're working on but certainly that's true of business certainly true of relationships it's definitely true of the body it's definitely true of of, of knowing oneself uh, all, all these things there has to be a continual openness to feeling uh, uh, and by feeling I mean perceiving I don't mean feeling as in those or only emotions and so on I mean literally being able to look life in the face as it is look the situation in the yeah. face as it is that's, that's the most important th- and as you know in the outdoors one of the most important things is to be able to evaluate the situation properly and if you are unable to look a situation in the face because of you're unable to feel the fact that you're in deep shit you know yes then you're you're just going to be handicapped you know you're going to be handicapped in terms of your ability to make an accurate decision so you need to be able to have that capacity to look something in the face what's and all and move that forward uh, no, beautiful. I, I love that. So I, I, th- I think that um, a read for, for, for myself and for every man and for this whole project that I got going on, the redefinition of feelings as as meaning the whole experience, the experience right. that you're having coming in. So, so, so the physical sensations and the intuitive sensation, all of these things. Mm-hmm. It's very important to me to make that distinction because because you, you, you and, you know, as I'm talking to men with the, you know, mm-hmm. quotations around it, um, mm-hmm the the word feelings has a has a cultural stigma that is kind of, of a course. you know turn your nose down right and i get it i kind of have it myself still but um but yeah i think that's really important and maybe it's maybe the word feelings isn't even the right word but 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 experience or sensations or but what you're what i hear you saying is reckoning with the present yes. reckoning with the actual experience what is happening that yes. i mean that's that's at the core of, of of what we're attempting to do with every man here too, and 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 so um, I really appreciate the way that you describe that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I know we don't have all the time in the world, and so we got a few more minutes maybe here. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm curious to what is 
man, I don't know if this is a good question. I'm going to ask it anyway. But what is the kind of the end game when you work with a client one on one or you do a, uh, you know, a retreat where with with um, and then. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. what is the end game there? What is what is the intention sort of ultimately yeah. where, where you're headed? Yeah, well, my intention uh, philosophically and then I could be more specific is to create yeah. peers, not students. So mm. I'm not interested in gathering students. Um, I'm interested in creating peers. Um, and I don't mean by peers, people who are doing the same job as I'm doing necessarily. Right. I mean, right. Uh, people who are, um, who don't need me anymore, essentially. Yeah. Uh, uh, but relate to me from a place of abundance, of a place of uh, essentially having themselves uh, back. You know, Amazing. and sometimes I think the uh, you know sometimes it depends on the situation. I mean, most times if you work with someone one on one, it's different. But certainly in a workshop group yeah. scenario, there's a lot yeah. of projection. You're at the front. People, you know, think, oh, okay, you must know something, and you know, hopefully you know something. <laughs> yeah. But I think one of the roles of the yeah. teacher is to is to give this projections of the student back to him piece by piece. Yeah. Because often yeah. someone's looking at you and they're seeing in you actually things in themselves. They say, oh, he looks so confident. Oh, he looks so sure of himself. He looks so embodied or whatever, you know, whatever. He looks this. Right, thing. right. So in touch yeah. with himself or I don't know. It depends on what kind of group it is, you know. But really they're seeing, they're seeing their aspiration. They're seeing what is inside of them and they're not yet ready to sort of, mm. uh, you know, acknowledge. So it's, it's a case of giving that back to them piece by piece. So mm. that's my end goal is, to, is for the person, like I said at the beginning, empowering them to think, to feel, and by we've defined feel, and to make decisions for themselves, mm. you know. Um, and I want to. I work very hard to make myself obsolete as much as possible. Um, and th- that does two things. It, it, of course, it's good for the student. Of course, it's good for me. We can go to more interesting places if we keep having right. to change the same nappies every time, uh, the same diapers, as you'd say. You know, it's <laughs> not so. Uh, you know, that's not great. We want to grow up, um, right. and that right. means being somewhat. Uh, autonomous, you could say, or you know, uh, kind of getting a hold of yourself in, a, in that in that sort of a sense, and then yeah. it's tremendous because yeah. then there's this peer situation going on, you know. And you'd yeah. think that people, when they get that, they wouldn't want to come back, or they they just go off and you know conquer the world and do all that. But actually, in a situation when there's no ceiling, even a glass ceiling, yeah. and then it's in a situation where my level isn't the limit, it's not the yeah. upper limit. Um, there's no reason to go anywhere. There's actually no reason to to end that kind of a relationship. Because it can it can it can morph and change and become very rich, and it's one of my great pleasures to see people I work with exceed me um, and surpass wow. me um, in wow. the things that they initially come to me for. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful, that's what brother. I aim for. That's bro- that's beautiful. What yeah. about um, just you as Steve, the individual, in the context of your life? Like, where are you headed? What are your what are your aspirations or dreams at this point in life? And and I, this is a how old are you? How old are you? Thirty one. Okay. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> you're, 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 a young, you're as old as my brother. Actually, my little brother has a big red beard just like that. Is he? You guys, you guys are different human beings, obviously. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or are we? Yeah. So where the heck are you going from here, man? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. W- you, yeah. Well... Uh, is it even a valid or necessary question? And maybe it's not. I, you know, yeah, I don't know. it's a very good question. I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to sort of ponder where, in what way to answer it. Uh, 
I have certain things that I'm, you know, doing professionally and um, and so on, and you know that have certain certain goals and so on. But I think personally, um, I'm just attempting uh, how to say it. I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of uh, have some pithy answer in a way that that summarizes the whole thing. But yeah. I'm just attempting to yeah. be. Well, actually, you know what? I know exactly what it is. But I'd like to be a force for good. That's Wonderful. the phrase that I work with personally. This is sort of personal. So I'm not. This isn't yeah. kind of something necessarily you'll hear me talk about in, in yeah. a teaching situation. Because yeah. I'm still kind of working on it. Force for mm -hmm. good, and there's two parts to that: force and good. And I'm not sure if it's the best phrase, but it's kind of what I work with a little bit in my own explorations. Currently, one of my explorations that requires two things: it requires force, power, and it requires a certain orientation mm. um, to the good. And we can you know, look look into those things, but to me, good means some has a connotation of service, yeah, of being a kind of uh, assistant to the context, uh, to being um, that's a midwife mm -hmm. for for uh, individuation or whatever you want to say, um, and that you know, thankfully doesn't depend on my being some swell fella, because uh, actually it often depends on getting out of the way of someone's right. natural intelligence. To be honest with you. Right. Um, which I find quite relieving <laughs> because yeah. I'm not always convinced yeah. about that I'm a swell yeah. feather every single day, you know. But um, but the force part is very interesting. You can be a very good person, very you know, nice person and very loving and uh, serving kind of person, but without the force. And a lot of mm -hmm. times, you, uh, you know, I see that and there's a tepidness to it. There's a there's um, there's a um, a passivity to yeah. that positive orientation towards life. It's a kind and uh, that uh, that I don't like that. I'd like uh, to combine the good with, with this power, with a force, yeah. so that yeah. there, you actually have the capacity to um, uh, add life to a situation, as opposed to just being floating down the stream of positive thinking and passive things. And right. uh, you know, oh, these are my goals. <clears throat> and you're living in a fantasy land. You're living this kind of idea of yourself in ten years' time, or you, you know, you're living in your past. Oh, this happened to me. That happened to me. I'm interested yeah. in being here now and a, a force for good. And that involves things like where do I leak energy? Where, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, where am I compromising? Uh, those sorts of mm -hmm. things. And it's not it's not to become the best version of myself i'm uh, utterly uninterested in that to be honest with you um that i think <laughs> is, a, is a it's a shallow yeah. it's a shallow motivation it doesn't drive me huh. uh, to become the uh -huh. best version of myself but who cares you know about that uh, yeah. why why yeah. do all that well i tell you why um to participate in life that's why right. i want to be a right. participant in life yeah of life to press my lips against uh life you know mm -hmm. to uh that's what I'm interested in doing, and that that the, the, the more power you can you can kind of uh, bring to that, the more life you can you can work with, uh, the better. So it's that subsuming, in a way. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I I really I it, that hits home for me too, brother. Like that, I think that um, um, it's hard to put words to it, but I have at different points in my life just how deeply and passionately i love being alive sort of i just i love yeah. this experience of being mm. uh, and and i'm i'm glad you that you brought up the the force and, and sort of the power aspect there too yeah. and i feel like i feel like that's something that i've really been stepping into in the last 
yeah, you know, I guess a, a, a process here and there with spurts and fits and everything, but um, I, re- I really, I really appreciate that. I really do, and I, and I also appreciate the the not being interested in being the best version of yourself. I think that's in, you know, I'm as we build fine. every. Yeah, no, yeah. right, right, but but yeah, it's it's interesting. It seems like it seems like an easy thing to say too, right? Or or well, at some at some point there has to be a reason for it, and just yes. to become a, yeah. a good version of yourself, so you can be a good version of yourself, is is, is a sort of pointless endeavor in a way. It's it's the it's the usefulness of yourself mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. uh, is is to me anyway. We're talking person, you know, personally now, and uh, you know, our individual yeah. ideas here, but. Uh, to me, it's the usefulness, the participation, and participation means to walk, you know, uh, in life, with the with life and death, with the up and down, mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. limits as well as the possibilities, with the restrictions mm-hmm. and the failures as well as the successes and so on, and to and to you know, uh, be um, a contributing factor to mm-hmm. the betterment of or to the richness of life, as opposed to a kind of um, a sort of a parasitical, uh, you know. Uh, person who's who's essentially strip mining life yeah. to improve themselves you know oh life is just all about learning uh, so i can become the best person and so on it's a sort of a, quite a narcissistic point of view i think that's yeah, so interesting um, yeah. yeah yeah so you know and that participation is uh is uh is, is very key you know we didn't go into uh later some later events which you know perhaps another time but yeah um uh for in my teens, I was an apprentice to a Christian mystic um, wow. for a few years, right? And yeah. that whole thing there—that—that—that that, that is not really very much about Christianity, really. It's in a certain sense, it's about that mm. participation. It's about, and the G- Jesus is sort yeah. of the, the the model there in a way, where that's God incarnating as man to participate. And it didn't go all that well for him all the time, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it pretty hard a lot of the time, <laughs> and that's what happens when you participate. But that's what happens when you're involved in life, as opposed as opposed to trying to become so strong and increase yeah. your square footage so much that life can't touch you. You become, you know, the master of your surroundings. Well, that lasts for a certain amount of time, but the surroundings are bigger than are bigger than you. The rug wow. gets pulled. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, brother. Um, that feels like a very uh, that feels like a pithy ending there. That feels that feels wonderful. <laughs> I, um, can we you went to some weird uh, places, man. No, we really did, and and <laughs> um, we we may have to a little bit down the road do this again because there's so much more that I would I'd like to hear from you too. Um, I, but I'm, I'm I want to make a connection here between our listeners and, uh, and and your practical work. I don't want to say practical, but your work in the world, your your sort of offering, your participation, and how you're giving back. Um, your retreats and and your yeah. I don't know, I know you have a, a movement method that 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 mm. you have available. Uh, what would you like to um, sort of put on the table for for guys at this point well uh if uh any of this made any sense um, is interesting at all and uh yeah they could go to my website is that what you mean that sort of thing yeah 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 totally mm-hmm. totally yeah my website is guruviking.com www.guruviking.com and there you know there's a lot of free audio and on you know there's a link to a soundcloud account that has lots of talks and and uh mm-hmm. musings and so on there and there you can also find the and that's all free. You can also there's also articles and so on that are free, and you can find the movement method there, the movement Cohen method, which is a kind of mixture of joint nourishing movement and body based mindfulness uh, and neuroplasticity things, limb independence, uh, a lot of interesting stuff. You can find hmm. that on there as well if if you're interested in going that route. 
and yeah, there you'll also find details of the events uh, that I'm doing. You know, a lot of stuff for men, a lot of stuff for men and women, you know, yeah, all kind of weird and wonderful things. But that's the place to find out. And you can also read this um, about this bio, the bio that we've been talking about. You know, yeah, yeah. Find definitely. out what's in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, so usually I, sh- I probably should have started with some of this, but two, but two things. So I, I came into contact with you, Steve, through a, a close friend of mine, a, a new cr- close friend of mine, Jordan Reasoner, who's been on the podcast himself. Yeah. And he described you as um, an incredibly wise friend or dude, just, just sort yeah. of this, like, and, and that really, it really struck a chord in me. That's nice. And, and the other... Um, sort of connection is, is I've done a workshop and done some work with, with Michaela Bame, who, who I know you teach with and, and you do That's work right. with in the past. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel very, I just want to share that. I feel very, uh, I don't know, very warm towards you. I feel, I feel very grateful that, that, that you came on and shared. I feel sort of like this, this desire to, I don't know, to, to explore more with you. I think there's, there's a lot of, it was very, it was very fun and, and, and weird and sort of opening to, to, to talk to you today. And, and, um, yeah, yeah I, uh, it was so uh, much fun. I really enjoyed it, Dan. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me Good. on yep. on the podcast. Love great podcast, man. I love it. Thank you, brother. All right, well, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll do this again someday. I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. All right, take care. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check out Steve and his work at GuruViking.com. Go to our website, Everyman.co. Look at what we got going on. We are in the midst of planning some more expeditions for next year. And we are getting ready for this next retreat in December. 30 guys, show up, change your life, be more yourself.